So um, today we're continuing our series, Prepare the Way, um, and uh, we're going to be uh, still looking at the life of John the Baptist. Um, this is a, a very important Sunday, very important message, I feel like. Um, this, this was something that, for me, was really helpful as we went through it. So we're going to be in John chapter 3 today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we'd love to give you a Bible. You can meet me in the next steps room after service. Love to give you a free Bible. If you have a mobile device, you can download a Bible. Just go to corechurch.com. We have a great free Bible app uh, on there, so um, get a Bible today if you don't have one. Um, so we're talking about John the Baptist today. We're in the book of John. I just want to give you just a point of clarification and enlightenment. John the Baptist did not write the book of John. John the disciple wrote the book of John, not John the Baptist. I know that can get a little confusing because there's literally only like three names in the Bible, and everyone has the same name. Like apparently, if you had a girl back in biblical days, you just named her Mary, that's what, like you had no options, you know, it was like your daughter's name will be Mary or Mary, and John was like one of those other names. So it can get a little confusing, but we're talking about John the Baptist, but this was written by the disciple John. So that's your biblical scholar theology information for today. Um, so John chapter 3, verse 27 through 30, it says this, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Father, we just come before you this morning, and we just pray that your word would speak to us. Father, that you would challenge us this morning, that that you would move us into action, God, that you would give us something, God, that we can take away from here and we can apply into our lives. And so, Lord, we just ask, God, that, that it wouldn't be my words that um, people hear this morning. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come. We know he's already here, that your Holy Spirit would come, would speak to our hearts, and change our lives. In Jesus' name, if you're with me, will you give me a big amen before you're seated? Awesome. Well, happy Palm Sunday, everybody. Um, how many of you, just, just this, this isn't even in my notes, I'm just curious how many of you guys went to a church where you actually got a palm branch on Palm Sunday? That's about half of you. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I went to a church that grew up, and, and I had the palm branches. And the palm branches were awesome because, you, you know, like I think in children's church, we'd always like hit each other with palm branches. And so that's probably why we don't do palm branches anymore. It's just for litigation purposes, people. We don't want lawsuits. So, palm, But that, that's cool. I, I just... Um, Glad to know some, like, old-school palm, you know, palm-waving people are in the house today. Okay. So, anyways, that, that had nothing to do with the message. I was just curious. So, uh, you know, I, I think everyone would agree with me here that, that the culture we live in today is kind of unique. It's, it's, it's very results-driven, very results-oriented. And not only is it results-oriented, but it is quick results-oriented. Like, we, everything's about the bottom line, and everything is about quick Success. I mean, you look at even just the shows that we watch, you know, like American Idol, The Voice, and all these reality TV shows. Man, these people are here today and gone tomorrow. But it doesn't matter. Our, our culture now values this, this 15 seconds of fame thing, and, and, and success is achieved quickly. And if success doesn't come quickly, then it's not really success. We don't even really value long-term success. We don't even really value long-term investment anymore. It's all about the bottom line. It's achieving that bottom line very quickly. And, and that's, this even plays out, I think, in a lot of the things we have, you know, in convenience food and things like that. You know, my wife um, ha- has a job that she works part-time. So on Fridays, 
the kids are home with me while my wife is um, at work. And um, so, I, you know, it, it's cool. Actually, I, I enjoy having that time with the kids. But, of course, when my wife's gone, that means I'm in charge of cooking. And um, that, that can be kind of scary, you know. And I know there's the stereotype of, like, the stay-at-home, you know, like when the dad stays at home and what he cooks. But I want to tell you something, guys. I am an awesome cook. Like, I, I am an amazing stay-at-home cook because here, here's, here's the deal. My, my specialty, the, the coup de grace, I mean, just piece de resistance of what I cook is, is the corn dog. <laughs> now, now you laugh, you laugh, but hear me out. My thing with the corn dog is I refuse, will not under any circumstances, cook a corn dog in a microwave. Thank you. Thank you. You're clapping because you've, you've consumed a microwave corn dog at one point in your life, and you know it is an insult to the name corn dog, right? I mean, microwave corn dogs are the worst, are they not? They're mushy, they're soggy, they're disgusting. I mean, corn dogs, let's be honest, it's already a questionable food choice, is it not? And then microwaving it, we're just adding insult to injury here, people. And so I will fire up the oven every time I cook a corn dog. Now, granted, that's the difference between 30 seconds in a microwave and 30 minutes in an oven. But you know what? We're just, we just going to have to wait it out, kids. I know you're hungry, but you made it this far. We're going to wait it out because if I'm going to eat the corn dog too, we're going to cook that bad boy in an oven. See, now, now, in all seriousness, I'm not a cook. Like, I, I, if it's not in a package, I can't make it. Um, but even me, with my lack of culinary skills, I know that things that take a long time to cook taste better. The things that, that you know, the slow cook, t- that's, that's why crock pots are amazing. Are they not? Like, crock pots are, are just, even I can cook in a crock pot as long as all the ingredients have been pre-measured and cut for me and I just have to throw them in. But, but crock pots, you know, crock pots, they, they are the official cooking appliance of Christianity. Are they not? All my palm branch waving people, you probably grew up in a potluck church. You know, no one bringing a microwave to a potluck. Now you bring in a crock pot. Amen? Croc, Jesus smiles. God shines down. He smiles down on crock pots. See, but the problem with crock pots is, of course, is that they're slow. They take forever to cook. And if you mess up at the beginning, maybe just in a hypothetical situation, you get all your ingredients and you put them in the crock pot and you turn the crock pot on and you leave and you come back and you wonder why your house isn't filled with the delicious aroma of crock pot cooking and you realize that you didn't plug in the crock pot before you, just hypothetically, maybe that happened. Well, you know that meal is done. You can't salvage that meal because you need all day to cook a food in that crock pot. So here, here's, where I'm, here's where I'm going with this. See, there's a lot of things in our faith. There's a lot of things in following Jesus that are really hard because they're not instant. They're really hard because we don't see those immediate results that I talked about. We don't see that immediate payout. We don't see that immediate success. And because of that, there's things in our faith that are really hard to do. Prayer is really hard to do sometimes because there's not an immediate answer. Reading the Bible sometimes is really hard because there's not an immediate practical solution to the problem I'm going through. Giving sometimes is really hard because I give and maybe I don't see an immediate change 
in my financial situation? Well, the thing we want to talk about today is that sometimes sharing my faith and reaching out to those that don't know Christ can be really hard because there's not an immediate payout. There's not an immediate success. There's not an immediate transformation in the person that you're sharing with. And so it can be really hard sometimes to reach out to people far from God because of it. And, and, and here's, where, here's where we're going today is I believe that God wants to take us as a church and as a people, as Christ followers. He wants to take us from having a microwave mentality to a crockpot commitment. He wants to take us from having a mentality that's all about results, that's all about the now, that's all about instant gratification, that's all about instant payout. And he wants to take us to a place of commitment, of process-oriented faith, of sticking to it even though we don't see the immediate payout. And especially when it comes to our spiritual disciplines, praying, reading the Bible, and sharing our faith. This, This same principle applies to all of it. So last week I said we looked at evangelism. We looked at preparing the way and inviting people to church. But we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive this week because this is still a frustrating topic. Amen. I mean, this is still something when it comes to sharing our faith, you know, that, that there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of things. And there's a lot of fear that revolve around the results of sharing our faith. You know, what if the person rejects me? What if I lose a relationship because if someone says, hey, if you're going to talk about Jesus, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You know, what if, what if someone gets tired of me always putting an invite card in their hand or always hanging a door hanger on the door? What if they get tired of me? There's a lot of fear that come around the results of what happens when we share our faith. You know, because the, the truth is we want to see efforts for our results. I mean, it, it just feels like sometimes it's so frustrating that, that we can do this and there's nothing happens. No one changes. No life change happens. You know, for, for, a lot of, for a lot of us, maybe sharing your faith in evangelism, it's like cleaning a house if you have little kids. You know, you put all this effort into it and you put all this work into it and you turn around and it's like the house is dirty again. You have nothing to show for it. You know, it's what evangelism can feel like sometimes. Like I'm putting in this effort and I'm trying to do the right thing and I'm stepping out and I'm being vulnerable. I'm sharing my faith and I have nothing to show for it. No one's getting saved. No one's coming to Christ. No one's coming to church with me. And it's just frustrating because I'm seeing no results. And, and you know, we, we think... Because of that, I'm failing. Because of that, I'm not doing my job. Because of that, there's something wrong with me. It's like we want that instant thing. We want that microwave mentality. We want to be able to press the Christian button on the microwave and have someone get saved and come to Jesus. And I, and I think that Christian button's probably next to the popcorn button on there somewhere. I don't know. But see, see, I think there's a danger in, in getting really focused on results, especially when it comes to sharing our faith. I think there's a danger in what I would call results-oriented evangelism. And, and, and this is what I mean. If we think successful evangelism is when I pray for my friend, and then I invite them one time, and then they come to church after that one invite, and then they have a powerful experience with God. They come running to the altar. They get baptized. They start serving on a team. They start leading a core group. Maybe they head up a step study. Then they go with full-time missions work in, in Africa where they build an orphanage and live serving the poor for the rest of their life. That's what successful evangelism looks like. And if, if I don't do that, and if that doesn't get achieved, if, I, if that's not accomplished when I share my faith, then I failed. And, and, and it sounds absurd when we put it like that, but man, I want to tell you, sometimes when it comes to this, we can put so much pressure on ourselves. And churches, we, we oftentimes don't help 
this feeling because, you know, you'll hear preachers, you know, get up and say things like, if you don't get out there and save them, no one else will. And a lot of times, you know, they have like extra syllables on the ends of statements like that. No one else uh, will save them, you know, just that, that type of thing. And, and all of a sudden, what, what can happen is when we talk about sharing our faith, when we talk about evangelism, it can feel like some bad multi-level marketing thing. It can feel like some awful sales job where we have all this pressure to close a sale and all this pressure to make converts and all this pressure to get out there and reach the lost. And I don't think that's a pressure God designed for us when he talked about this. I don't think this really works because the danger when we put this pressure on ourselves, the danger when we make results the goal, the danger when we become results-oriented is that we become the ones responsible for that change. That it becomes about us, that all of a sudden we write ourselves into the center of the story that God's trying to write in someone's life. And it becomes about us, the pressure becomes about us. And the, the real bottom line danger of that is, be, is that we become the catalyst for their spiritual change. And that's way out of line, that's way out of whack, because you and I were never meant to be the instrument of spiritual change in someone's life. That's not a role we were designed to fill. But the thing is, if we become all about results, that, then the results become our responsibility. And there's a danger in that. And we see how John the Baptist gave us a clear picture of how to avoid this pressure, of how to avoid this danger, of how to avoid getting this really out of line. And we start out in verse 28 of the scripture that we read to open this together. John says, I... Am not the Messiah, but I'm set ahead of, sent ahead of him. I think we should say that first part together just because I think it would feel good for us. Let's say this together. I am not the Messiah. Can we do that one more time? I am not the Messiah. See, John understood his role. John knew what his role and his responsibility was. John knew he was not the Messiah. He was not the answer. He was not the solution. He was not what the people needed. He was not the linchpin in the entire thing. He was not the Messiah. His job and our job, church, is not to be the Messiah, but simply to point to the Messiah, to point to the answer, to point to the solution, to prepare a way for the Messiah, to clear a road for him, to make a path, to make it as easy as possible for someone to come and find him. We're not the Messiah. We're not the ones responsible It's up to God, and our job is simply to say, there's the answer. There's the one you want. There's the one that you're looking for. John knew his role, and his role was to prepare a way and to point to the one who was the answer. See, the Apostle Paul was another person who really understood his role. Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Pretty big guy. If anyone, I think, could feel good about their responsibility in bringing people to Christ, it would have been Paul. But Paul really understood his role, and we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. So Paul writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6 through 7, he says this, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So check this out. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, is anything. Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. See, church, we, 
you and I, we are responsible for, and our role is to plant and to water. To plant and to water. To plant and to water. And God is the one that's responsible for making things grow. Our job is to plant and water. God's responsibility is to plant and to grow. See, I want to mess with you right now. Are you ready for this? Paul says, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, right? God doesn't need us to reach people. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me to reach people. Because think about this. If, if we were to say that we, without us, that someone's soul depended on whether or not we Could you imagine getting to heaven and God looking at someone and saying, well, Bob, I would let you in, but Jim over here didn't do his job. So sorry, Bob, you're going to go to hell. Give Jim a dirty look on your way out. Thanks for coming. It's ludicrous. It's insane, right? Don't you think the God of all power, the God of the universe, the God of infinite wisdom and love and mercy can find a way to reach someone? The scripture says, Jesus on his way says, if, look, if my children don't cry out, the rocks will cry out and praise me. God doesn't need us to do anything for him. God's God. He can do it. He can figure out a way. But the thing is, I believe God wants to invite us into a story that he's weaving and he's writing in someone's life that God wants to bless us with an opportunity to reach someone far from God. That What if we began to look at the things in our life? What if we began to look big picture? What if we began to look at prayer? What if we began to look at reading the Bible? What if we began to look at giving? What if we began to look at evangelism as a blessing? Because it's a chance for us to partner with God into a bigger, larger story that's not about us, but that's about him and that's about his glory. That we began to partner with him in a story that he's writing that's bigger than you and that's bigger than me. But that's something that that he wants to bless us with by giving us an opportunity. Do we look at things like this? Do we look at these spiritual blessings? Do we look at them as opportunities or do we look at them as obligations? Because I think a mindset switch needs to happen for us that we can begin to see them as opportunities and not obligations. See, I think about the people that helped you come to Christ. Aren't they one of the greatest blessings in your life? And I think about the, the, the guy who was instrumental in my life and uh, me giving my life to Jesus. He's one of the biggest blessings. He's one of the, the spiritual giants I look to even to this day for me coming to Christ. And God wants to do the same thing in you. God wants to do the same thing to bless you with an opportunity to be involved in someone's story. And that's, that's why he gives us the command. That's why he gives us the responsibility. So, so does that mean we get off scot-free in our responsibility? Absolutely not. Jesus is very clear in the Great Commission. He's very clear in many of the parables that he's given us a responsibility to reach people. He's given us a responsibility, and we'll be held accountable for that responsibility. So it's still very important for us to understand that we have a part to play. In people's story, and our part is to plant and water, plant and water, plant and water. See, I don't know who's come before me, and I don't know who's going to come after me in someone's life. And in the window I have with someone, in that little strip of time that I have with someone, what God has called me to do is simply to plant and to water in their life, to sow seeds of love, to sow seeds of kindness, to sow seeds of God's truth into their life. And regardless of the outcome, That's in God's hands. My responsibility, my role is to plant and to water. 
I think some of you guys are starting to get this, but, but, but if you don't listen to anything else today, hear, hear this part right here. Because this, this is huge, this concept of planting and watering being our responsibility because it totally redefines what successful evangelism looks like. It totally changes the game on this. See, you're successful when you share your faith. You're successful when you reach those far from God. You're successful when you evangelize anytime, anytime you plant or water a seed. Anytime that you do that, church, you are being successful. Look, when you put a door hanger on a door, you're successful. When you mention to a coworker, man, church was really good this week, you're successful. When you are, uh, give a neighbor an invite card, you're being successful. When you pray for someone that's far from God, you're being successful. When you listen to a coworker talk about their bad day or you listen to someone venting about their day and you can offer them a word of encouragement, you're being successful. Anytime you intercede for someone, you're successful. When you invest in their life, you're successful. When you give them an invite and you invite them to church, regardless of what happens with that, you're successful because you're stepping out and you're planting and you're watering and you're doing what God calls you to do. See, this doesn't happen because of a microwave mentality. This doesn't happen because we want the quick result. This happens when we say, God, I'm willing to to go in with the crockpot commitment. I'm willing to go in with the process, and I'm willing to plant and to water. And even if I don't see the quick result, even if I don't see the thing I want to happen right away, God, I'm not going to give up because I'm committed to the process of what you've called me to do, to plant and to water. I want to tell you a, a real quick success story that we've recently had um, in our in our outreach. So last week we did adopt a block, and for those of you who don't know what adopt a block is, we um, we take these uh, door hangers and we just go out into our community and we'll put the door hangers on doors. Maybe someone's out, you know, in their yard or something. We'll you know say hi and just give them a door hanger. We don't berate them. We don't, um, you know, it's not like um, the other people that come knocking on your doors. We don't do anything like that. You know, it's just it's just simple. It's no confrontation. We just give people a chance um, to let us to let them know we're here. So. So Tucker Darnell and Noah Hawkinson, and Noah is uh, Eric, our youth pastor's six-year-old son. They're out together, and they're just going out, um, giving, uh, putting door hangers on and, and just doing the right thing. And so Noah and Tucker come across this old lady in her front yard. And so this, this is setting up to be like Hallmark, Thomas Kincaid, you know, cover a Mardell moment. You know, you got sweet six-year-old Noah you know, he's, he's got his invite card. He's going up to this old grandma figure, and this, this is going to be great, right? You know, and, and so he goes up to her, and, and he's getting ready to hand the, the, the door hanger to the grandma and invite her to our Easter services. And wouldn't you know that grandma said, nope, 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 and then takes Noah's invite card and throws it on the ground and says, nope, 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 and, like, walks away. And Noah is heartbroken. He's like, he, he later, Eric's telling the story, and he's like, she didn't, she didn't want my card, and she just threw it on the ground. It was just so heartbroken because this, this sweet old grandma was, was something, you know, crawling up her backside, you know, just had to throw. I mean, my goodness, just take the, take the dumb thing inside and throw it away inside. Don't throw it down in front of the six-year-old, you know. How, how heartless is that? I want to tell you something. That was a successful trip. That was a successful encounter. Why? Not because of the results. The result was awful. Not because of the result. That's not what made it successful. What made it successful is that they were being obedient. What made it successful is they were watering and planting. See, God does not measure our success in results. 
God measures our success and obedience. Let me, let me tell you, for those of you that went out last week and you did door hangers, I want to tell you something. You may, you may feel like you were doing something insignificant. You may feel like you were doing something that, what, what does this matter? What good does this do? I want to tell you something. You were successful because you were obedient. You were successful because you watered and you planted. You did what God called you to do. And you don't know what those door hangers are going to do. You don't know how they're going to find someone, when they're going to find someone. You don't know how God's going to use that. You may have been planting. That may have been the first time. You may have been watering. They may have seen stuff from us or from various churches, you know, from now 10, 12 times. And maybe God's using. You don't know the implications of what you're doing. But you were successful because you did it. You were successful, and God honored what you did because you did it. See, here's the thing. We still have door hangers out there on the, in the table in the lobby. We still have some packets with neighborhoods. I think what God wants from us for this Easter core church, and I think what success would look like for us and for this church body is if at the end of the service today there wasn't one door hanger and invite card left on that table. If we cleaned it out and we went out and we just, we just did what, whatever we knew God was calling us to do, whether that's in our neighborhood or whether that's taking out to the neighborhoods around the church or whatever it is, I think success for us would, even if if not one person came from those door hangers, if not one person came this Easter because of that, it doesn't matter. Success is what is God calling you and you and you and me to do and for us to do that and step out and say, God, I'm going to water, I'm going to plant, I'm going to trust you with the results. So church, I want to challenge you. I think for us, for this Easter to be successful and where God's leading us and trying to stir up a fire for reaching people lost, reaching people far from God, I think success for us would look like if we just cleaned out that table at the end of the service and we took cards and we just canvassed our neighborhoods, canvassed wherever, wherever we felt God leading us to do, that we stepped out in obedience and we did that. And that's the challenge I want to issue to you today is that we can do that, that we can, we can step out and trust God with the results and just say, God, I'm going to water and I'm going to plant. Because this, this isn't just about evangelism. This, this is about the big picture of what God's trying to do even in our own lives. See, Christianity it's not a quick fix religion. It's not a microwave religion. See, the Bible's not Google. Prayer's not instant coffee. God, God has a totally different definition of success than we do. What God measures as successful, what we measure as successful, completely different things. God measures success in obedience, not in results, because the results are in his hands. The results are his responsibility. Let God worry about the results. All we need to do is worry about watering and planting, watering and planting. God, what have you called me to that's right now in front of me that I can be obedient to? We want the microwave mentality. We want instant spiritual growth. But God has called us to a crockpot commitment. God's called us to a process of laying down our life. God's called us to a process of one step at a time in obedience, one step at a time in faith. When you pray, you're watering and you're planting in your own life. When you read the Bible, what you're doing, you're watering and you're planting in your own life. When you give, you're watering and, and you're, you're planting. When you share your faith, you're watering and you're planting in the life of someone else. And even, even though you may not see those results right away, even though you say, man, I feel like I'm doing this, but nothing's happening, keep doing it. Don't give up. 
Don't give up because God is writing a story that's bigger than you, that's bigger than what you can see right now, that's bigger than the moment. And if you're not getting the microwave results, if you're not getting the instant results, don't give up because God is trying to work out and unveil a process in you that's going to take an entire lifetime for you to see the results of. But I guarantee you, if you'll do it, if you'll water, if you'll plant, one day you'll look back, you'll look in the mirror, and you won't recognize yourself. You won't recognize what God has done, the person that you've become because you've committed to a life of watering and planting, God is going to bring results that you can't see yet, that you can't understand yet, and that are bigger than what you can even hope for or imagine. But if you'll commit to the process and trust God with the results, there's no telling what he can do in your life. And there's no telling what he can do in my life because we know our role and we've come into the right place of submission to him. We're not God. We're not the Messiah. We don't have the answers. We don't have it all figured out. But we trust God. Even with the things I don't understand, man, I'm going to water, I'm going to plant, and I'm going to trust. When it comes to the things in my life that I need to do that that are hard and that are difficult, I'm going to water, I'm going to plant, and I'm going to trust. When it comes to reaching those far from God and and those in my life, I'm going to water, I'm going to plant, and I'm going to trust. Because God is wanting to do something inside of you and inside of me where he takes us from having a microwave mentality that's all about now, that's all about instant results, it's all about instant gratification. If we don't get that, we feel like we failed and we get, we get all kinds of out of whack on that. God's wanting to take us from that saying, will you trust me with the process? Will you trust me with commitment? Will you trust me even though you don't see what I'm doing? Even though you don't know the whole plan, will you trust me with this little sliver of it? And if we'll do that, then God will do something inside of us, and he'll do something inside of the lives of those around us. We may not even be able to see it right now, but it's called faith for a reason because we have to put faith and we have to put trust in who he is. And Guys, why don't you go ahead and come back up. You know, this is the song that we, we close the service out with, Good, Good Father. I think it's, I think it's so important because our trust in God comes from our our view of God. And when we view God as being good, we can trust him. And church, we're talking about how how we're not the Messiah and we have to put the results in God's hands. There's a lot of things in life that are going to come up that you're not going to understand. And and in those moments, you're going to want to be the Messiah. You're going to want to control the results. You're going to want to control the outcome. When we hear stories of, of good people of Christian people, of people that, that we would expect to live just long, blessed lives that are suddenly taken away from us. Those are things at times we don't understand. And in those moments, we have to fight the urge to take control. We have to fight the urge to put our hand on the Messiah handle and say, well, I want, I want control and I want to understand and I want to know. And we have to remember our role and we have to remember our places. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one who has the answers. But I know who is. And I know what he would want. All of you guys have prayer cards on on your seats. And um, if you haven't filled one of those out yet, I want to encourage you. This is your last chance, obviously, before Easter. Who are you praying for? Who are you investing in? Who are you inviting? Write those names down on there. And write your name at the bottom of that card and at the end of the service bring them up put them on the altar put them up here at the front 
because God wants to use you to water and God wants to use you to plant in someone's life. And are you willing to commit to that process? And if you haven't filled one of those out yet, you know, we've received over 90 cards so far of people who have been willing to make that commitment. But one of these cards here is particularly special because this is John Tate's card. And he had made this commitment to intercede, to invest, and to invite people in his life that are far from God. And I I think it would be kind of special for us this Easter, almost in honor of this, almost in honor of someone who, who wouldn't be here if people didn't come alongside his life and water and plant and keep sowing those seeds. It wasn't just one person. It wasn't just, it was, it was God bringing in all kinds of people all throughout his life that kept watering and planting. And look what God did with the result of that and the, and the life change and the transformation that happened in his life. And does it feel like he was taken too soon? Absolutely. But do we trust God with, with what God's doing? Yes. And can we rise up and say, God, I want to honor what you started in this man. And I want, to, I want my life to matter because, church, if, if anything that, that comes out of, of hearing stories like this, it's we realize this life is a breath. It is short. We are here today and gone tomorrow, literally, and ain't none of us making it out of here alive. No one's making it out of here alive. And what are we going to do with this little time that we've been given? What are, what are we going to do with our lives? What are we going to do that's going to make our life count? If we get so wrapped up in results and that's all we care about and the car we drive, and the, the house we own, and, and the clothes we wear, and it's just all about results, then we're living our life for the wrong thing. But church, what would happen if you and I would say, I'm going to commit my life to watering and planting in the lives of other people, watering and planting the things that God wants inside of me. How many more of these stories could we find? How many more stories of these could God write? Because we're committing not to the results, but just to the process. Just to say, God, use me. God, I'm willing to be obedient. I'm willing to step out of faith, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's hard, even when I don't want to, God, even when it makes me feel a little uneasy. God, I'll water, I'll plant, I'll do what you called me to do, Jesus, and I'll trust you with the results. And whether or not I see them on this side of eternity, God, I know you're writing a bigger story than me. You're writing a bigger story than just what I can see. So God, I'm willing to trust you because I know you're good. I know you're a good father, God. And I know you want what's best. And I know you don't want anyone to perish. So God, use me. Use me to plant. Use me to water. Use me to sow the seeds. Use me to intercede. Use me to invest. Use me to invite, Lord. And I'll trust you with the results. Because God, it's not you. The results are in your hands, God. Are we willing to make that commitment? there's more of these stories that God wants to write. There's more stories from darkness into light, from death into life, from blindness into sight that God wants to use you to play a part in. Father, we come before you this morning, God. We just we just say sorry, first of all, God, for getting our hands sometimes on the Messiah handle and, and, and thinking, God, that, that it's about us and that we're the center of the story. 
and that we have control and we have say so, God, and we and we get focused on the results, God, and we get focused on, God, why are you not doing this? And God, why are you not doing that? And, and we get it, we get it out, of, out of line, God, and we, just, we say sorry, Lord. We say, God, we want to trust you with the process, God. You're not trying to quick cook something in us, God. You're, you're trying to work out a process of knowing you in our lives. For those of you in this place, I just want to know how to pray for you. If you're here and you'll say, Daniel, this week, I'm just willing to commit to water and to plants. I'm just willing to commit. Maybe maybe it's invite cards. Maybe it's just inviting someone to, to church this Easter. Maybe it's even just committing to say, I'm going to look for a chance to give a kind word to someone, to, to talk to someone about how great church was this week, to just to do something that, that is planting a seed in the life of someone. I want to trust God with those results, but God, I'm, I'm willing to be used by you this week to, to water and to plant a seed into someone's life. If that's you, I want to know, I want to pray for you today. If that's you, will you raise your hand and say, yeah, I'll make that commitment. I want to water, I want to plant into someone's life. Man, God, for those that have raised your hands this morning, Lord, my hand included, Lord, help us to be faithful to what you've called us to do, God, to step out in obedience, because that's success, God. That's, and, I, and I pray, God, for success stories all over this church this week. God, of people who stepped out in obedience. And, and maybe for some, God, it's because they're going to take some invite cards and they're going to take some door hangers and they're going to go put them out in their neighborhoods and they may not see any of their neighbors come this week, but God, that's success. And so, Lord, give us successful stories this week just of stepping out and being obedient, God, and trusting you with the results of watering and planting, God, and knowing that you're good and that you've got a plan for the people that we're doing this for. And we may be the first person or we may be one in the line of many, but God, you've got a plan and we want to participate and play a part in that plan. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I want you to know that that you are here by divine appointment today, that God has brought you here to, to hear about a hope that transcends the grave. As Pastor Brad talked about earlier, when we, when, as people of faith, when we lose someone, we mourn, but we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We know that every day that passes, for those that have gone on to be with the Lord, every day that passes, we're not one day further away from them, but we're one day closer to them because that's the good God that we serve. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you've never placed your hope in Jesus. You've never placed your hope. I want to let you know there's a hope beyond the grave. There's a love that's stronger than death and that's the love that brought you here this morning. Christ came and he died and he took your place. He took your sin in his place. Laid down his life on a cross that you could come before God and have forgiveness. Do you need that forgiveness this morning? Do you know that you're not right with God? Do you know that you're not following God? Do you know that you've never given your life to God? Maybe you've, you did at one point a long time ago, but you've since fallen away. And you know that your life isn't right. I just want to ask you this morning, if that's you and you want to make that commitment to come back, you want to make that commitment not to be perfect, but to start the process, to say, God, I'm willing to make the, 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 the crock pot commitment. Lord, I'm willing to, to go in and say, God, I want to start this process of following you. And I want to give my life to following you, God. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to count to three. And if you're here and you need to make that commitment to follow Jesus for the first time or, or you've gone away and you need to recommit your life, count to three. Just ask you to be bold, be brave, to step out in obedience just like we talked about. 
and to raise your hand, to boldly raise your hand so we know who you are and we can pray for you on the count of one, two, three. Anyone here, you need to make that commitment. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you right here in the middle. Anyone else? I need to commit my life to Christ for the first time or I need to recommit my life. Anyone else here in this place? This is why you're here today. Thank you. I see you over here on the side. Thank you. Core Church, let's pray out loud. Let's pray in support of those who made the, the greatest decision you could ever make. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing me here to remind me that you love me, to show me you care. I commit this day to live my life for you. I commit to the process. Jesus, from this day, I am yours and you are mine. Come into my heart. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, can we clap our hands and celebrate changed lives here in this place? This is what God wants to do this Easter. This is what God wants to do next week. Let's canvas our neighborhoods. Let's, can't, let's do it.